Previously on the Soundless Citadel. <laughs> Say yes to them. Nod. Smile. Later, we can play with them. The ground that you just stepped on gives and you fall. Guess who's unconscious? So Methuselah just goes down there, like just jumps down to just try to be as quick as possible to save Seeker. You use the healer's kit and you're able to stabilize Seeker away from danger. As big as a Great Dane, the scales of white, the windspan just as big as she is, a big dragon appears. As I cast Cause Fear, it's targeting on the dragon. And the apparition basically just says, You won't hurt my friends. You'll just die. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a darker calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? Seeker, your initiative. Eight. <laughs> Methuselah, your, your number. Sixteen. Foreign. Twelve. Uh, mine is eight. All right. Top of the round. It is Erky. He clasps both hands, one wielding the club close to each other. And as, as if it was a praying motion, he then screams, Lyrta's light protect us! May its fire of knowledge destroy you! And with it, a halo of light illuminates on top of the dragon with reddish color. And then a small column of fire just falls on top of the dragon. As the halo illuminates on top of the dragon, the dragon notices it. And then as the fire starts to descend, the dragon quickly sidesteps it, avoiding it completely. Erky goes, oh, damn it. Mephuzali, your turn. I'm going to cast Dissident Whispers on the dragon. So the apparition still stays and Methuselah's eyes are still blackened over and the black kind of tendrils 
still kind of like float up from Yorick. And as I play, they pop with a slight violet color, but it's not enough to overcome the sort of shadows that have filled Yorick now. And this sort of janky kind of out of tune melody causes the colors in the air to become jagged and like purple, like kind of sort of like shards in a way. And they're all shadowy because of the the influence of the, the shade. And I cast them at the dragon. Can I get a wisdom save? 19. Passes, but it still takes half damage. Eight psychic damage. You cast your spell. It clearly affects the dragon as it starts to shake its head with its elongated neck and growling in pain. And I'm going to use my cause fear to awaken a sense of mortality within the dragon. And the apparition is going to say, You will always be in chains. There's no escape for you. You'll die here. Just, Just like, like the Empire. The dragon hears that and he screams in Draconic, which for you guys is just like a roar. I'd also like to use Sorrowful Fate to change it to a charisma saving throw. Roll the four. So it is now frightened, and it takes one psychic damage as a result of Sorrowful Fate, because I rolled a one on my uh, dice. Mm-hmm. And it's plagued with regret for one minute. The dragon feels this tenseness. He looks at you, and he growls. And starts to like struggle amongst its emotions anything else that you'd like to do that is all it is the dragon's turn the dragon cannot approach because it is currently in fear so it does the only thing it can do it will quickly leap behind the table and then it will buck the table as the table flies past Thorn, I need Mortis, Methuselah, and Seeker to roll a dexterity saving throw, please. I got a 23. I got a 13. And I got a 16. Methuselah, expecting this kind of lash out from these dragon, just like it was whenever the Dark Warden would get mildly frustrated, he would start to lash out as well. Methuselah sees the table coming in and quickly ducks to the side, literally like full belly flop to the side, but he's able to easily stand up fast enough. Mortis and Seeker, on the other hand, receives the full force of the table. A total of five bludgeoning damages, so you guys are smacked by this table. It hits the wall behind you guys, and then you notice, wait, there's a door over here. It almost hit the door. Next is Thorn. For Thorn, I was wondering if I could make him do a wisdom save because this is someone that he thought was his friend and he just saw them get brutally killed in front of him and 
this is like directly related to like his actual trauma. That is a completely valid consideration. Please roll for me a wisdom saving throw. And you, considering the trauma, roll with disadvantage, please. I got a 14. Unfortunately, you failed that. So how does Thorn react to this situation? I'm going to take a page out of the book of every single one of Cat's Call of Cthulhu characters. And I honestly think Thorn just like runs away. Through each of the two doors that you guys just realized there is inside of this room. Which one is closest? The ones that you guys used to enter this room. I think Forn just dashes as far as he can, 60 feet, out of the room as far as he can, just blindly running as he is just remembering the yells and the torches behind him. His feet pounding on the ground, hearing his heart in his ears, hearing the scream of his father, and running away then. Just right now, he's back in the field running. That's all you can think about. And with that, you're easily able to go past Erky outside of the room and using the catwalk of the trap, you walk away from this battle. You're completely outside of the combat. On your turn, I will ask you to do wisdom saving throws to see if you're able to overcome this moment. And if you do so wish, after you succeed, return if you want. But for now, at least, you are completely out of combat. Sorry, boys, I'm fucking traumatized. Valid. With that, now it's Mortis' turn. You just see your son fail. As soon as Thorn runs past Mortis, Mortis just turns back quickly and is like, Thorn, wait! Uh, before realizing that like it's too late, he just returns his attention to the dragon. His expression kind of tightens, and he's like, You'll pay for that! And then he rushes towards the dragon and tries to attack with his great sword. Right ahead. You have just enough. If you use your full movement, you have just enough to uh, engage with the dragon. That's a 24 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. So that is 10 damage. But I would also like to smite. Roll the smite damage. So that is a grand total of 17 damage. You approach the dragon. Bring up the blade that glows with bright light and it the little like dust particles it starts to ascend as well as unfolds the moth-like wings. It's spending in a wingspan just as big as the dragon's wingspan. And then you descend the blade, connecting with the dragon's shoulder completely and cutting in past the scales. It's massive damage. It really hurt the dragon as the dragon roars in complete agony. Mortis like doesn't take a second. He shifts his weight. He grabs onto his holy symbol and as his bonus action, he's going to cast uh, Compelled Duel. To, uh, so he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. A six. Fails. <laughs> so 
just to describe it quickly, this sort of violet cage materializes around the dragon for a moment and just closes in on it. And then within its peripheral vision, all it sees is Mortis. And as as the cage closes in around the dragon, Mortis just stares at him and says, If you're going to fight anybody, it's going to be me. You just hear like a deep, irking growl. Which Methuselah understands as My first bit Seeker, your turn. How far away is the door that we just fucking noticed? About 10 feet away from me. Can I go up to that door and like put my ear up to it and see if I can hear anything first? Sure. Uh, that will be your action to do that skill. Yep. Okay. Do your perception check. I rolled a 19. It seems very quiet on the other side of the door. Although it's difficult because there's an active battle going on over here, but you're fairly certain that on the other side of the door, there's nobody. Okay. Fairly certain. So I'm going to call out to my friends. I don't know if the gnome can speak Elvish. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in Elvish, uh, Seeker is going to say, uh, Hey guys, uh, this door, there's there doesn't seem to be anything behind it. I think when you have a second, we should escape. I will say Methuselah doesn't seem at all shaken. They're just fixated on the dragon. Like, and they're like like murder in their eyes. And then towards, can they also say something to Methuselah as well? Sure. Okay. In Halfling, they're going to say, I'm really proud of you, Methuselah. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Yeah. Top of the round, Erky again. They look at the set of circumstances going on and Erky then brings both hands close again while still holding the club and goes, Lirta, please let your knowledge guide us so we know exactly what to do at this moment of crisis. And with it, it a little glow starts to appear, a glow that encompasses even, the, um, even his own silhouette, a glow of violet color that then starts to illuminate both Methuselah a little bit closer to almost like a halo around the head and Mortis. As of this moment, Erky, Methuselah, and Mortis have the blast spell. So you can add a d4 to a number rolled to attack rolls or saving throws. Methuselah, your turn. So Methuselah hears what the dragon said to their friend and that's going to like heighten their desire for violence in this moment. And so once again, they're gonna play an out of tune song on Yorick, but oddly enough, now it sounds like creepy snakes hissing. And like in the air, instead of like manifesting as these kind of jagged shapes, it starts to take form of like actual like snakes in a way that just kind of get thrust at the dragon. And as I, you know, cast, I'm also going to use Sorrowful Fate to turn it into a charisma save. And I'm also casting Dissonant Whispers at second level. You just hear the wraith behind you. Yes, yes, yes. 18 on the saving throw. It passes. 
It takes 13 psychic damage from that. That was half. I got 25. Now it is the dragon's turn. Carcerates, tunneling vision towards Mortis, gets close to Mortis, and goes for its attack. It is actually a contested check, for it's trying to grab you. Athletics. Uh, it's an eight. <laughs> With a 14, the dragon grabs onto you, growls, and Methuselah hears. With wingspans, completely goes outwards and beats with it. He actually lifts you up a good 20 feet all the way to the ceiling, pretty much. Yeah, that's their turn. Now it is Thorn's turn. Uh, please do a wisdom saving throw. Just a regular one? Just a regular one. You're away from the area. I got a three. You're still running, and you're running away from this area. I'll describe where you land, don't worry. Yeah, Thorn just keeps running. He's still in the midst of, like, a literal flashback. Mortis, your turn. Uh, Mortis, even though he's restrained, he's gonna, to the best of his ability, he's gonna angle his sword and just try to stab into the dragon. That is a 19 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. Uh, that is 15 damage. You stab it on the side. The dragon hurls upwards. It does so much damage. It seems to be still alive. It's actually like almost not able to stay aloft, but it's still alive. Seeker's turn. Go right ahead, please. Uh, so can Seeker... Okay, would it be an action to see if the door is locked? No, I will just say that you give the door a try, and unfortunately it is locked. Can I then open, try and open the door, like unlock it? It will be a check, your action to do yeah. that. Yeah. Dexterity, right? With my thieves tools and like a proficiency. I rolled an 18 to unlock the door and like not open it. They're going to wait for their friends, but they've unlocked the door. You successfully unlocked the door. Seekers, how far away is Seeker from Methuselah? Ten feet. So they're gonna go back by Methuselah and say in halfling to Methuselah, because that's just kind of their bestie language now. <laughs> I have no say in this. <laughs> Bro. Seeker's just gonna again like encourage Methuselah and say, We've got this. We can do this. Let's kill this dragon. Meanwhile, Methuselah is in a complete other world of, like, just darkness and suffering and doubt and seeing their friends getting hurt. But you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> Top of the round, Erky sees the situation. He whispers to himself, oh no, and then makes his way as close as possible to the area where the dragon is. He's almost immediately underneath it, and he goes, Ah, ah, jeez. And then he holds his action. As he is preparing for a spell, in case the worst happens. Cool. This guy's, like, god. the best. Oh my god, I what's love with him. These, what's with these... I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, we're keeping this in. 
What's with TST NPCs and just being the best? <laughs> I don't even know, man. Like, Jesus Christ. Next is Methuselah. What do you do? <laughs> Methuselah now has, like, even more of, like, tunnel vision as the darkness in their mind sort of, like, closes in completely and all they can see now is just the the dragon and it itself has become almost like a silhouette in their vision and once again they're going to cast dissonant whispers and the same sort of thing happens as they play the out of tune and i'm once again using sorrowful fate you need to do a charisma saving throw 11. oh that fails they take full damage um so the dragon takes 15 psychic damage and if it kills it it has to soliloquy to death Ooh. i just wanted the shade to be like and here, here you, you will die, die amongst, amongst the worms and the rats where there is no light and there's only darkness the dragon hurls in agony still holding on to mortis as it raises its neck upwards looking up into the ceiling that is no more than five inches away from its nozzle among the worms and rats and vermin on the ground i only wish for the sky i was meant for greatness brought low and nurtured by my It, its growling stops. Its weight starts to take effect, and gravity takes dominion overall. I know we're not in structured combat anymore, but could I take one more action as I'm falling? Depends. What is it that you're trying to do? Probably would have to toss my sword aside to do this, but like. I wanted to use my turtle thing where I could retreat into my shell. I would allow it, actually. You drop your sword and you enclose yourself within the shell, which does protect you because you will receive damage from the fall. But I will forego the damage of the weight of the dragon on top of you because of that decision of yours. <laughs> I didn't know that was an option. Matt's damage 12 points of bludgeoning damage as you fall down. It crashes and the, the body of the dragon crashes on top of you. Are you still alive? Yeah. I am perfectly fine. So all seven of my health are fine as I retreated into my shell. As you fall with the dragon on top of you, Erky just has a moment to kind of protect himself as you crash beside him. And that's the moment that his action takes effect. He then places his hands on top of your enclosed shell and goes, Lierta, protect him. Make sure that he is alive and safe for his continued research. His, his pilgrimage is not over in this life. Heal him. And the 
both hands it starts to illuminate with red light and with it you do feel healing course through you that immediates the damage that you just received I love that he prepared an action to immediately heal me as I smash into the ground. I love him. So great. I love all these NPCs. Total of eight health is brought back to you. You feel alleviated to a certain extent. The fall was still quite a bit, but you feel this healing course through you. The dragon is dead and defeated, Mortis alive, and now a little bit better because of Erky's attempt. Seeker, you see beside you Methuselah, who is kind of like swaying a little, and as they sway, the spectral melting form of a weird-looking Methuselah that is completely full of damage full of like purple spots and the two nubs instead of hands gets close to Methuselah descending slowly puts their arms around Methuselah's neck and chest and then says with me little mouse and Methuselah just falls unconscious as the thing just dissipates into almost like a little smoke cloud. And Methuselah falls on the ground. Do a wisdom saving throw, Thorn. Oh, me. Oh, I, forgot I, I forgot I was a player. I forgot I existed. <laughs> I got a 13. It is a dark night. The rustling of the leaves is everything that envelops you in the surrounding. As the dirt ground with some roots poking out hurts your feet as you run. Your lungs burn as you are running further and more intensively than anything before. You just hear the cries of anger and malice and those who want to hurt you in the background. And you hear in Goblin, Run! Run, Thorn! Run faster! As in the distance, you hear the most sweet voice, the most caring voice, you know. And that is the voice of your father. You dare to peek behind you. And you see the frame of darkness of the dark forest. With the center as illuminated by torch lights of the mob that is chasing after you guys. Little arrows zoom past you. Whistling and whispering towards you, knowing that one of those whispers very likely will be your death. Because you see in the distance, your father still trying his best to crawl as 
he has one to two arrows in his back. And the mob gets closer and closer to him. And you know, this mob will also get closer and closer to you. But there is a tree just close to your path. And as you make that turn, so you can hope that you will break the view of the mob and be able to run in a way that they don't know where you went. That turn makes you shift and you then notice where you are. As the night vision allows you to start to take place and ground yourself within this new surrounding, you're back in that empty room. Room that you, your friends, and Meepo were here hours ago to rest. You're back in this place. And it's dead quiet. Not even the sound of rats rustling about can be heard. It's just your breath and the sound of blood pumping under your ears as you breathe. I think Forn just like goes into like the corner that is most easiest for him to hide in and just like curls up there and he probably takes out his spell tome and just like hugs it and he's, he's definitely like crying like uncontrollably as he hugs his spell tome trying to find any sort of comfort that he can but in this moment he knows that he can't really escape his own mind. You find a random corner. In your mind it seems the safest. You haven't really fought through it. You lower yourself, hug the tome, and let yourself go in this dark, empty corner. Mortis, you just peek out of your shell to see Erky looking at you. Uh, at least you're alive. Uh, Mortis just, his limbs slowly emerge from the holes in his shell. He, he notices the dragon on top of him and just shoves it off. Uh, bit hefty, but you're able to shove it off and you lift yourself to the side. <sighs> He lifts his head towards Erky and says, Thank you for the assist. I was worried I wouldn't survive that one. I'm just glad that I could help. Finding a dragon, even a small one, is no small feat. Believe me. Like, immediately he starts looking around the room. Thorn. Where's Thorn? In the little goblin? Yes. Actually, I wanted to ask, why do you walk with one of those? I mean... That's not important right now. Where is he? Uh, he ran away. He's just going to turn towards Methuselah. going to see them unconscious. <sighs> Seeker, are you all right? Uh, yeah, I'm fine, but I, you can go and find Thorn. I'm going to take care of Methuselah here. Are you sure you'll be all right on your own? Uh, Erky, do you want to stay with us? In case uh, I need your help with Methuselah? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll stay. All right. I'll be back as soon as I can. 
And then Mortis is gonna march towards the entrance. And I like to imagine that, like, when he dropped his sword, it just stabbed itself into the ground. So he grabs it triumphantly, returns it to his sheath, pulls his hood over his head, and just marches out the door. That's exactly what happens. (laughs) Because it's way too cool for me to say no. Uh, what does Seeker do within this room as Erky approaches? Uh, hey, Erky, you're pretty good with things like healing, right? I mean, yeah, but that was the last one that I had. No, no, I, I know. Um, you, you did mention that. Would you be able to uh, see if Methuselah's alright? I'm kind of worried about them. I mean, it doesn't look good to begin with. But sure, I can try. Erky approaches and kneels beside Methuselah. He looks over Methuselah. Okay, it's an elf. Alright, I have seen these before. And, uh, okay, I think I remember how to treat them. Places a hand on Methuselah's skin. And then he kind of, like, touches back. He then places a hand, the index and the middle finger close to the neck of Methuselah. He then looks at Seeker with a certain like look that he doesn't know how to say it. Seeker, with your passive insight, you know that he has something bad to say. I'm sorry. Uh, can't do anything. What? What? What do you? What exactly do you mean, Arky? I am. Uh, although I was the leader of my group, the one that knew the most, and is capable of doing magic, using the light, I have not advanced enough in my order to be able to bring back. Your friend. Uh, bring them back? I'm sorry. I can't heal him. So, Seeker's gonna drop to the floor, and they're gonna kind of, like, pull Methuselah into their arms. Uh, Methuselah, uh, I I know that uh, you don't do so well with dragons, but you were doing really great. So, uh, if you're, uh, playing dad uh could you could you stop for me that would that would be amazing erky then looks at you with a very very grieving face he puts his little hand on your shoulder and say i am truly sorry i know the pain of losing a friend I know exactly how it is. Um, If you wish, I can say a prayer so that their God can receive them. Uh, Well, that that would be very nice. I'm just trying to think because Methuselah always said that they would write songs for us like okay so when we first arrived here uh mortis the turtle he fell into a trap and 
Methuselah was talking about writing a song for him and I I think I think Methuselah's been through a lot and that if if they were gonna die I actually don't know I don't think they can die they seem to have gone through so much to be brought down by something so small you know uh like they, they've dealt with much bigger dragons than this one and I, d I don't know uh I, I think I think a song would be nice. Do, do you know any really great songs about dragon slayers? Um, I'm sorry, I'm more of a pilgrim than a composer, but um, I'm pretty sure that where he is right now, he will be singing songs. Would Seeker remember Chrysantha's song? Um, roll an intelligence check with advantage. You heard it a few times. Uh, 19. Yeah, you remember it. Uh, wait, I, I think I have an idea. Um, it's, uh, the song of, the, uh, that Methuselah had for, uh, their wife, Chrysantha. Amazing, amazing halfling warrior, absolute hero, uh, let, let me try this. And then he nods very solidarily. Sure, sure. You do that. You start with the first two words, three words. But then you like, stop. You try again. Try with the humming first to get you in the rhythm. You start, you maybe get a sentence in. And then you stop. And then you try a third time, but your voice is a little bit more high pitched than it's supposed to be. And then you try to hold on and you make that little like deeper to show your strength. You calm yourself, you breathe, and then you you start to notice that you're eyes are watery and you start to tear and it you try it a fourth time but now you're coughing as well like the the kind of like you can't really speak as you're just starting to sob and then you just hold on Methuselah as you start to like cry and cry and cry you just you're alone in the world holding your friend the first person you have ever seen die in front of your eyes at this moment you just want to hold your dead friend um with that as well uh they're not gonna pull out their cat toys for this one but they're gonna like silently like pray to the cat lady and basically tell her um please please tell chrysantha that i'm sorry I, I i couldn't i couldn't save methuselah i i i failed i i failed my friend and i'm so sorry they, they were such a great friend and i i don't know what to do without them now you whisper that in between the sobs just to yourself and to the cat lady 
Arky just whispers to I'm so sorry stands up and lets you be by yourself as he goes to a corner of the room just to wait Mortis you go all the way like you look within the little dungeon area where you found Erky I will say, as soon as I exit the room, he probably didn't take the time to pick up the torch that was off the ground. So when he, as soon as he walks out, he probably lit up another one. Valid. All right. All good. You lit up another one. You go looking for Thorna. Don't even care about the door beside you. Funny enough, it does not open. But you don't notice that now. <laughs> the goblins are like, we're not dealing with that dragon. Uh, then you get towards the... Massacre room. Thorn is not there. You look everywhere. You go to the little dungeon where you found Erky. Not there either. Quite a few places to hide, but you're not able to find Thorn in there. Go back into the room where there was the stationed goblins. You look under the places. See the dead body of the of the goblin that you guys killed before. But no, but no Thorn. Cover it again. Go through the hallway with the caltrops. Nowhere, but you start finally hear the sobbing. You start to get close. And as you illuminate the empty room, you see on a small corner your friend Thorn holding tightly their spellbook and sobbing, sobbing, and sobbing. Mortis is just gonna slowly walk up towards uh, Thorn. He kneels down, he gently places a hand on their shoulder. Thorn, uh, are you okay? I imagine that Thorn makes the noise that like angry cats make where they go when you touch them and they're pissed off. And his eyes open, and it's Thorn, but he looks very angry. More angry than you've ever really seen him. And he probably tries to hit you with the spell tone. He doesn't, Morse doesn't really react. He kind of just, his expression remains the same. He kind of just lets you. Yeah, he probably just like hits you like over and over with it, and then he goes, This is why Thor never wants to make any friends! It only needs one friend! Only needs one friend! Only needs one friend who can help him! Mortis just drops the torch at his side, and without saying a word, just pulls in Thorn into a really deep hug. Thorn probably like scratches you and like tries to bite you. But then, like, eventually, I think he just kind of, like, wriggles out of your arms. But instead of, like, running off, he probably just, like, climbs up into your shell really pissed off, like. He stands up straight and, like, turns his head so that it's facing somewhat towards the inside of his shell. I'm sorry, Thorn. I really, really am. But I I know that this hurt will not go away easily, but you must know that 
it is okay not to be okay. Thorn just kind of like turns away from you like very sourly and just like grumbles to himself as he just kind of starts burying himself and reading his spell tomb. Without saying another word, Mortis uh, kneels down, picks up the torch that he had dropped and starts slowly making his way back. Hello one, hello all. It's Quentin Foote here, Dungeon Master to a very unique live-action fantasy adventure podcast known as The Fables of Latour. Join us every Monday as we explore a completely original world filled with new races, monsters, and magics, all based around the fantasy novel series The Mighty Vendavar. Since we specialize in long-format storytelling and our entire cast are professional actors and artists, you can excitedly tune in weekly to experience the next chapter of our harrowing saga. We can't wait to meet you in the wilds of Latour. of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And be sure to catch the next installment of the Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in the Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nasso Mundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.